fun. Hey everyone, if you love combat sports such as anything, boxing, karate, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, hit the like, share, subscribe button to the Drew Spirience Show. The show that's 100% combat sports in all forms of pop culture. We're on all platforms. Just want to say thanks to a few supporters. First of all, my karate school, Kyokushin Boucherville in Quebec. If you want to take up martial arts to change your way of life and habits, make sure to check out Kyokushin Boucherville where Shian Pierre Cataford and his team and the amazing community they have will teach you how to be a better person in and out of the dojo and how martial arts makes you a better person and with that ooh, my guest today oh man this is this is big this is huge he's back he is back man i cannot believe it this 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 is a prime resource of combat sports he's been there ufc boxing and bellator now he even has no knows uh, he was even knows uh joe frazier he has in the back, he's got a signed picture of Muhammad Ali. Look at the accolades. Also, he is, I got to say this here, because if I don't say this, I'm going to, I will regret this. I got to say it. Ooh. He was inducted into the International Sports Hall of Fame 2015 Fighters Only Magazine Lifetime Achievement Award. Here we go. Welcome back, Burt Watson. Oh, baby. You sound like you've been taking lessons, man. I love that. I love that. It's a pleasure to be with you, baby, on the Drew Experience. I just experienced something great just now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I t hey, the first time you had me, I was I was raw. I was figuring it was like a fighter coming up. You know, the talent was there, but was the but was like the but could I mold that talent and potential? And now I'm I'm refined, but I'm always refining myself. So this so there's always a new version coming. That's how it is. You always got to reinvent yourself. Yeah, well, you know, I, I was there then, and I'm there now. So you know, it was it was good to see you start. You know, and I know what that's like, you know, when you're when you're trying to get something kicked off and, and, and now you're 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 in it and amongst the names. So, you know, congratulations to you. And uh, it's always good for me to be a part of somebody's journey. You know, that's 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 been my entire career. And I. I love it, man. I like it, and I like seeing it, and I like seeing the progression of it and the progression of things, and, you know, and I'm still having a damn good time doing it, baby. I love it, and I got to thank Nima for that, you know, our mutual friend of ours, because Nima was the one that referred me to you when I had him on, because Nima was the one that recognized that also recognized uh, the potential, because when I was coming up, and he's like, you need to talk to Bert. He goes, uh -huh. if you get Bert on, he goes, you, he's like, that's that's a big deal, and so I gotta really thank uh, Nima for that. You know, Nima really helped. My uh, man. He's he's amazing. You know, like yeah, you know, he yeah. doesn't like being in the spotlight, but he's yeah, he's, yeah. he's the man. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 you know you don't you don't like and and myself. You know, you don't necessarily like being in the spotlight, but you always want to be recognized for what you do. And recognize for your intent of what you're doing. You know, if, if, if you're intended, because I had an intention when I first got into sports uh, and, and working with fighters, you know, and it, it's more to me to be recognized that that 
I met those accomplishments more so than anything else. Because anything else tells me how old I am, you know, <laughs> and how long I've been around doing this stuff, man. Age is just a number. It's how, it's how you feel up here and here. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. That's the I'm only cliche I agree with. <laughs> I'm 31, but I still feel like I'm 20, like I'm 21 in most days. Cause you know, it's all about what you love. If you love what you do, you appreciate the processes. You're going to be happy with, you're going to have a happy and successful life. You are how old? 31. See this thing right here? Yeah. I got that 35 years ago. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I keep things and this is, one piece of jewelry that I've had that long and I still, I still wear it, wow. you know, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'll be, I'll be past 74 my next birthday. <laughs> so nah, you're, you're no, 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 you're, you're 54. Okay. No, you're four. You're, yeah. You're 50. Okay. Let's just keep it at 50. <laughs> I'll keep my speed at 50. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but sometimes I take that speed to 120 real quick, <laughs> real quick. And, and you know, but I know how to drive a car. So <laughs> that's amazing, man. So how's it been for you? You know, you're killing it with Bellator. You guys are growing fast. You're doing yes. your legends to legends. Like I love yes. it. Like you're just everything you touch is turning into gold. And I, I love it because you truly are one of the good guys of the sport. Well, it, it, it's going Growing really well right now. I'm I'm having such a great time with Bellator, and 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 being on the road with them, and and working with. I mean, everybody that I work with, and you know, people say this all the time, and you hear people glorify, "Oh, this is good, and these people are good, and I'm having the best time in my life." And but I can guarantee you and tell you that. Right now, where I am with Bellator and the people that I'm working with are giving me the best time, you know, respecting everything. And the shows are great and the fighters are great and the corner people are great. Scott Coker is 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 awesome. And 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 he has worked his way into one of my stories of my career, you know, of accidental happenings, because that's exactly how this happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, great people, great match. And I think working with Bellator is probably the second female matchmaker that I've seen at this level and this productive. It's unbelievable. And, and then you've got Carrie running the operations. Uh, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. But everything feels real comfortable. And I can tell you that when it comes to fighters and, and things like that, I, I became a coordinator because after working with Joe Frazier as long as I was, I, I kind of transitioned into coordinating events. Mm -hmm. And I had a fight once where there was a young man, you know, back in the day, they used to get $30 around or $50 around, you know, and, and that was what they got. And this young man 
was fortunate enough, hear what I'm saying to you, son, fortunate enough to get $50 around. And he got his $50, and it was in California, and his medicals cost him $180. Mm-hmm. And can I curse on this show? Yeah, yeah be you, buddy, be you. And that, and that damn promoter took that $180 out of his $400 purse. Wow. And that kid came to me, and he was, you know, I had... I had my, you know, he told me, Mr. Burt, you know, is this my check? Now, I don't know. I don't look at their checks. Basically, I know what they make, but I don't ever see them, let them see me looking at their check because that's a personal thing. Mm -hmm. So I usually fold it up and give it to them. And he opened it and he said, Mr. Burt, is this right? And I looked at it and I'm like, whoa. And I, you know what? I didn't say anything because I know I knew that if he got it, then they intended him to have what he got. Mm-hmm. So I, I I looked, I ran my hand in my pocket, man, and I had one hundred and five dollars. And I gave him a hundred. Wow. And I told him that 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 I hope that helps you get or ease the pain a little bit. But just take it and next time have somebody negotiate that a little better for you. Mm-hmm. But I walked away from that kid and I said to myself, Drew, I will never, ever, ever let another promoter disrespect the fighter. Ever. As long as I'm around and I know it and I know what I know, I'll never let that happen again. And that was the start of me getting close to fighters, listening to them, understanding how their thought processes worked. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I already knew how tough it was for them to do what they do and get into that ring or that cage or that octagon, Mm -hmm. you know, but I wanted to make sure that from that point on, everything, the transportation, their food, the workout room, towels in the room, the room temperatures, whether it was bottled water or, or tap water, all those things, I paid attention to, and if it wasn't right, I got it right. And that, and from that point on, I it was all it's all about fighters for me. But then I also saw the rewards of that mm-hmm. because their performance level, you know, started to change. And they you know, when they came to me and to see me. And not saying that anybody else does it, but nobody does something the way you do it. Mm-hmm. Let's just get that shit out of the way. Okay? They they do it, but you got your own special way of doing stuff. And when they came to me, they got it, and they knew they were going to get it. And I, I just kind of, from that point on to now, you know, I take care of them, man. And I listen to them. And, and I watch them, and I know. Now, I've never been in a cage. I boxed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and being around Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali and that all those guys and Tyson and Roy Jones and everybody that I've been around, I had to learn or, or know what I was talking about. When I got to MMA, it was a whole different world. I fought... 
myself, I had four fights. Mm-hmm. And I won three and lost one. And that one loss was enough for me to say, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting out, but I'm I'm moving over. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I, I kind of know what it is to train and to get in to fight somebody, to win and to lose. I know both of them. So I, 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 I keep that mindset when I'm working with fighters so that I don't lose track of that or sight of that, or that they know that I know that and feel that. Amazing. So because you know boxing, because you know you've been around the Ali's, the Frazier's, the Tysons, the Roy Jones, what was your thoughts of the Four Kings era, which was like the Duran, Hagler, uh, Sugar Ray, and uh, Eddie Hearns? What was that? What was that era like for you? Because this was before social media, but they lionized boxing. What was that like? It was, you know, history has a way of making you a part of it without you asking. Mm -hmm. And that's what that was. History was in the making and you didn't know that it was that. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is that because I was at that level and that's where they were, the expectations were high and it was there. But it was was awesome to, to see so many guys performing at that level. And so many guys, there was ever, ever a bad fight during that era. Because I can name other guys that were in that era, you know, that 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 were just on the cusp of getting up there, you know, Camacho, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez, Tito Trinidad, you know, Salvador Chanchez. It, it was so many, and they all fought each other. Boxing found out that television wanted your best show every night. No second guessing, no nothing. And they realized they had enough to do that because then it started with the, the USA Network. They were doing USA Tuesday night fights. And then there was Friday nights, and then it went to HBO, and it went to Showtime. But that era of Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, and Tommy Hearns, you know, and 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 one guy who was probably one of the best out there was James Lights Out Tony, mm-hmm. and you know I think he was forty six and zero at one point. And was the sharpest, I mean, spectacular. But there were so many that they never lost grabbing anybody to put them on television or to put a major fight together because there were so many of them. And those boys fought they assholes. And they were all good. Were you at the war of Hagler versus Hearns in 85? Because that's considered like one of the greatest first round in boxing ever ever i wasn't actually at the fight but at the time the casinos held 
fight night in 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 a bo- in a ballroom with a screen and you paid to go see that mm-hmm. and i did i paid to go see that but i did other fights that hagler mm-hmm. and hearns were involved with but that mm-hmm. particular fight you know was ugh, that was that was unbelievable and there were so many after that but that one was the one that caught the eye and had the right timing for for both of them, and it was it was definitely definitely awesome. I did, uh, I think I did Hagler's last four, and I did Hearn's maybe his last three or so. But I was also transitioning into Chavez and De La Hoya, mm-hmm. and you know that era with Zab Judah, you know and. And 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 you know uh, the the kid and I cannot Vernon Forrest, mm-hmm. you know out of Atlanta it was it started the transition but it was still one hell of a field and then you know you always had great boxers in every era from 1971, and damn, I'm telling you how old I am. But, you know, from March 8th, 1971, when Joe Frazier fought Muhammad Ali, every year and every 10 years, you had great fights. Mm-hmm. And it went on like that. And and every, and, 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 and even though there were so many great fighters, somebody would jump out. Mm-hmm. And I have a a photo of me and uh, 18-year-old Mike Tyson. Whoa. Was that when Cuss was still alive? That was his first first fight. One day I'll send it to you. Oh, man. That would be beautiful. then he came along. Mm -hmm. And again, history making you a part of it without you asking. He jumps out. And nonstop. And he was... Mike Tyson was the first fighter that I've worked with. And and the only fighter I've never worked with is Lennox Lewis. Mm-hmm. So you from 1971 on, you can you can pick the names out that you want. <laughs> every one of them I worked with except Lennox Lewis. Mike Tyson was the first fighter that came out and dominated the way he did. And I can honestly say, and no disrespect to any of you guys that may hear me, was the first fighter that I saw guys that were actually intimidated by that presence and intimidated by the fight. You know, I always had a saying that sometimes the lights, when when, when the lights go on, some people's lights go out. Mm-hmm. They can get dim, but don't ever let them go out. And I saw that with Spinks. I saw that with everybody he fought. It just kind of, you know, Razor Ruddick, uh, you know, Bert uh, Cooper. And they feared him. And he brought on a new era of guys thinking, you know what? That's what I need to do. That's what I need to do. 
But then also, when you make a fighter fear that and fear you, then you got to go out there and knock him out. <laughs> you can't go out there and let him take you the distance. You got to go knock him out. And that's what he did. You know, so that was a that was a whole nother era that lasted long, you know, uh, hasn't been that since him in terms of a particular fighter taking, but we've had such great fighters. And even now today, we got good fighters and boxers. But my opinion, the networks gave up on it. Mm -hmm. You know, they started cutting. They cut USA Today, you know, and they cut ESPN. HBO got out of it. Showtime stayed in it. Now ESPN is coming back. But the television, for some reason, got out. And I won't say it was because of MMA, but I will say that MMA took over that mantle, mm -hmm. but not on television because television didn't want to show MMA initially. You know, we had to go to a, uh, oh, I don't remember the network. But some network was the only network that would put MMA on. Mm -hmm. And then they started seeing it and it started happening. And then Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner happened. Yeah. And that was it. From that point, it went on. I would also say UFC 40, Tito versus Ken One was a significant one. It's Forrest Griffin and Bonner, but that UFC 40 that not many people think of, they're like, oh, why are you go looking back at that one? And that was such a pivotal card because it did 100K pay-per-view buys, but you had Ken Shamrock from WWE and Tito was upcoming and the UFC was still finding its footing. And big John McCarthy and Bruce Buffer have gone on record to say UFC 40 was the pay-per-view that made it. But then the lightning in the bottle was tough on Spike TV. That was the network. I was thinking direct, but I knew. Yeah, it was I was trying to think of it on Spike TV. That was the network in the bottle. Mm -hmm. uh, but from that point on, for me, every fight was better than the last. Mm -hmm. Progressively, it just kept getting better, better. The crowds kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and. And, and and they started moving around more. You know, at one point I was doing, uh, I think the least I ever did was maybe six fights mm -hmm. or five fights a year. I've done, the most I've ever done was 40. So, you know, it, it just it just went on and, and, and it, it, it progressed. Not only from the standpoint of television but the technical skill level mm -hmm. i saw the development of that and i was stunned because here's a guy coming from boxing mm -hmm. you know guys you know boom 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 and knowing how to roll that shoulder you know and bring it in and mma fighters at the time i won't say they were fighting like this <laughs> but there was no real technical stand-up skill mm -hmm. but they went from this to this real quick and they started becoming technically skilled mm -hmm. and it went from wrestling grappling 
ground game, jujitsu, stand up, and then it started combining all four. And it was amazing to me to see the development of that. And now there's not one fighter that gets in there that, that don't do what they call stand up. To me, it's technical skill level. Mm-hmm. It's it's a part of the game, and it's a part, and it has it has helped MMA to sustain to the level that it is. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, son, it's it's only gonna get bigger. It's it's the fastest growing sport. I like I tell everybody like. They're like, like some people are like, oh, I can't watch fighting. It's violent. I go, yeah, but don't look at the blood. That's just part. Like, there's you get bloody in other sports too. I go, this is like, this is this is like you're watching something grow like a butterfly. Mm-hmm. I still think, I still believe this is in. It's kind of in the cocoon phase, but we haven't even seen. Like, it might, it might just be like a cocoon that just obviously gets better and better, and we might never see a butterfly. But it's something that's constantly evolving. That's how I look at MMA. Yeah, always changing. Always. And, and always changing for the better mm-hmm. and 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 progressively bring, bringing a different skill set to the audience and and what it's doing also is that it is educating the audience as well mm-hmm. but I'll tell you something one thing that I saw or I thought that was the needle in the box that took it aside from aside from 40 with Shamrock and Ortiz and Bonner and Griffin. When I, when I did boxing events and Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali, uh, Tyson, Sugar Ray Leonard, De La Hoya. When I did those events, you couldn't get near those guys. No. There were times if I was brought on late and the people around them didn't recognize me, I couldn't get near them. Couldn't touch them. Couldn't get in that circle. Couldn't get near a crowd moving. From the very beginning, MMA opened it, its doors for fighters to communicate with the fans. Agree. Agree. That's what makes... That's where I love about martial arts. Like I know if you're familiar with TriStar, the gym mm-hmm. in Montreal. So, um, Sandro, you know, yeah, you know, you know, you have to know Sandro Ferrante. He's like a striking coach. So Sandro, obviously, he's spoken very highly of you too. Shout out to Sandro, one of the early guests that believed in my ability. So Sandro said, "Come to TriStar one day." And you know, you're thinking if it's a boxing gym, they're like, "No, no, no, public's not a lot unless you're media." But you could be an average Joe. I go to TriStar. I let the fighters train, and then after that. Sandro comes up to me and says, okay, now you can start talking to the fighters. I met that day. I met Kevin Lee. I met Johnny Walker. I met Roberto Soldich, who's now in one FC. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, and they're so approachable. Like, yeah, MMA fighters, they understand. They have grasped the social media concept and the approachability concept. And, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll give that to the promoters to allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was the best. I mean, for me, I was like, whoa. I didn't, at first, you know what? I was never, ever told what to do, mm-hmm. how to do it. I was brought on to do what I did best, mm-hmm. to have it work its way into 
the production aspect of it, you know, and, and the mindset of the fighters. And I saw that immediately, you know, guy could walk up to Chuck Liddell like he was standing in line with them. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody stopped him. And I could have, and I didn't. When we, when we left the weigh-ins, I could have taken those guys and tell them how to get from point A to B without going through the crowd because I did it mm -hmm. at the beginning to get them there mm -hmm. because I didn't want somebody out in, 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 the, in the lobby signing 100 autographs. Mm -hmm. He was only down to three, and he had to be in the arena for a weigh-in. But that was the key point of fans gravitating and not leaving when they could go and buy a hundred dollars or or three hundred dollars worth of merchandise and get it signed in mm -hmm. boxing that wasn't happening bro no <laughs> you weren't getting you were not the closest you got to one of them was on the television screen or if you bought a ticket to the fight or if you somehow meet them in a public space when they're yes. like you and you and you have to really recognize them because like for example my mom my god like my my late mother has a picture with her and Sugar Ray Leonard at a wow. charity event and uh -huh. in 86 and my and and my, and someone was like cuz my mom like was a very like she was married to my dad then but they were living in Bermuda mom was very my mom was a very like she's a beautiful woman you know god rest her soul uh, fought a valiant battle of stage four pancreatic, but she had the picture with like when you see it with Sugar Ray, like Sugar Ray has his arm around her, and my mom says, "You know your dad was very jealous," and I was like, "Don't do it." <laughs> like it's a, she's like she's like Tom, don't do it. That that that's this is not a guy you want to argue with. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want to walk over to him and say, "Get your hands off my wife." <laughs> but but yeah, that was that was definitely definitely the situation that. In, in my personal opinion, that mm -hmm. changed the landscape of fan appreciation mm -hmm. for MMA. And, you know, it's now, it's still basically the same. I can, I can specifically speak for Bellator, you know, because I'm there and, and, and I react with them. And I always, I always tell them, don't forget the people that are buying the tickets to come and watch you. Mm -hmm. Because those are the same people that are going to buy a pay-per-view if you're ever on it. Those are the same people that are going to buy your merchandise if you ever sell any yep. or get it, you know? Uh, because fans don't forget nothing. No. <laughs> nothing. I had somebody send me a uh, an Instagram photo that they took back in 2005. Wow. And I'm looking at it. First of all, I'm looking, because then it tells me my my age, because I'm looking at it, I'm like, damn. 2005. You know, it, it was, I just took a picture. Uh, Bellator 293, mm -hmm. which was in Temecula. Yep. I took a picture with Dan Henderson. I, that's the one you sent me. Yes. Yes. I keep those pictures. I also had a picture with that, with him that I took in 2013, 10 years ago. Wow. You know, and it was like, 
I looked at him like, oh, I'm putting this away. <laughs> it, showed me, it showed me just how I've matured. Mm-hmm. But so has Dan. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, it's 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 all good, man. It's the shows are great, the fans are good, the fighters are are awesome, and and you know, everybody's putting on good shows. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm biased because of this. It's okay. But but I think it's it's I and you know what what I like about Bellator is that Sometimes, not sometimes, the hell with it. All the time, anytime. You can di- you can dilute your product if you give people too much of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, a show every week, you know, people, I mean, it's good, but it's not always that in- enjoyable to get one no. every week. And it's hard to keep up with it because then you're like, did I miss one or am I missing one? But so, and that that that's for me saying without mentioning any specific names, mm-hmm. you know. But but it it you you could dilute it, and it's gotten to a point now where it's it's diluted, and and you're still getting mm-hmm. a ton of it, you know. Where you get Bellator on a Friday night on Showtime and this coming April 21st and 22nd, you're going to get Friday and Saturday night. But that's, you know, that's a good dosage. Mm-hmm. That's a good dosage. It, 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 But you stay fresh in the people's mind and, and you got awesome, awesome fighters. And you know, when fighters go from one organization to another, most of the time it, it was it's because one wasn't treating them right. Mm-hmm. Wasn't necessarily because they're done or 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 their career is over. But fighters like to be treated right. Mm-hmm. You know, not saying that I'm the only person that knew how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they like to be treated right, you know. It's they so true. It's so true. And, you know, you've done such a good job. And I want to ask with Bellator, what do you think Bellator's done so well? Because they brought in some ex-UF, they brought in some ex-UFC veterans like Rory McDonald, Phil Davis, Yo Romero, Gegard Musasi, to help really put like a stamp on Bellator. But, and they've done great things. And then you got the, ex- the European expansion. Where do you think Bellator's done so well with finding talent in Europe? I, I think they've they've done well because of the fact that the hardest thing for a fighter to do mm-hmm. is to lay them gloves in the center of, of the cage. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing for them to do is to retire. Mm-hmm. I think when you when you when you give somebody a platform to extend their career, mm-hmm. people see that and look at it and fighters see it and fighters know, you know, I, I I can go here and be here for as long as I want until I know it's done. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They look at the rosters like you guys do. Mm-hmm. Fighters look at the rosters and see, you know, who's on that roster and where the fights are, 
what type of arenas the fights are in, mm-hmm. you know, how big of a crowd am I going to be in front of? And I know this because I hear this, mm-hmm. you know, and I talk to them, and I talk to them. So they see that Bellator has ex- expanded its its U.S. shows and 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 the extent of of what it gives to the fans in the U.S. and that it has successfully expanded into Europe and establishing those fighters over there, you know, which is something that no other promoter does Mm -hmm. that well or has taken the energy to invest in that promotion Mm -hmm. outside of the U.S. Paris, you know, in Germany, you know, and 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 soon Brazil and things like that. You got you gotta you gotta go knock on that door. And that's what they're doing very well. And giving a lot of guys who are very, very good, but you know, you have to be not very, very good, but better mm-hmm. to be signed with an organization here in the States mm-hmm. all the time. So when the organization comes to you, man, they come out of the woodworks. But, you know, as, again, I say we have a great matchmaker. Mm-hmm. So she stays, along with Mike Kogan, stays on top of that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, it's working, man. It's working. So it's Carrie, Mike Kogan, and Rich, or did Rich is Rich in a different position now? Rich is Rich is in a different position. Okay. Uh. Uh. But but but, I, you know, I don't I don't know specifically, but I see Rich all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, his presence is always there. You know, but you know, sometimes people people know how to 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 drive a car without putting too many people in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that they that 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 he's probably still a passenger in that car, mm-hmm. and 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 in that car when they go to fill up with gas, I think he kind of helps and tell them what whether you use ninety three or ninety five. Mm, okay, <laughs> you know, but but he's still, you know, I see him a lot. Great person, mm-hmm. great influence, and everybody gravitates. You yeah. know, but Kogan. And Jane, uh, I know them as the primary, mm-hmm. you know, and Jane's always on site, you know, and Kogan's always, he's on site always, but he's also always at the international fights. Okay, smart. And you got so much talent coming out of there. You got guys like uh, you have the Michael Venom page, you have Costello Vance Dennis. There's too much like I can name, like, uh, like, and I just had Alfie uh, Davis on the lightweight from. That guy throws kicks like a K1 guy. Like, I just had him on. I'm like, like where did you come from? And it, it's just really nice to see. And I really think if you really are, like as you said, a participant, you have to watch all the promotions. If you really love fighting and appreciate it, watch it. Like, I, like, I always tell people when they get into this, in this game of, like, content of MMA, I go, guys, don't be looking at just one. You have to look at all of them. Like, like if, if if someone from Bellator says, I'm willing to come on your show, like a Dalton Rasta, shout out to Hercules, did an amazing conversation with him. Uh, you gotta, you gotta 
take that and build with it because that leads to other opportunities to help you grow and help the fighter grow their brand. 100%. Yo, and I'll give you another birdism. I got so many (laughs) birdisms that I use that it's not always the smarter man that knows it all, but the man who knows where to find it. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. You know, so you can know it all because some, because you might have eventually picked up a piece of paper or something, but you got to know where to find it. Yeah. You got to watch it. You got to get involved. And that's knowing where to find it. You know, you know it all, but that don't make you the smarter man. You know, you always have to have that empty cup mentality and willing to take the help and put the ego aside to say, no, I don't know it all. Like, like I'm not good at editing. Well, I'm learning. But I have someone that helps me. Shout out to Dylan Rush. I think you know Dylan. D- Dylan Square, Dylan Napoleon, and Rush. They, those two are doing amazing stuff with uh, for Bellator, man. I gotta, I yeah. gotta really yeah. say. Yeah. And yeah. I saw you tag us. So, uh, kudos to them, man. Like they oh, really, yeah. they work oh, yeah. hard. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're, 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 and and you know what? I'm, I'm pretty sure because I see the mentality of of the Bellator organization, the people mm-hmm. around, how they give people a job because they know or they figure that person can do that, mm-hmm. but then they don't try to tell them how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it doesn't work out and creatively or however you you see it and you go at it. But when it's working, they leave it alone. And it's good, you know. Editing is, I think, editing and fighting are skills that you have to have in you. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can get in that cage or a boxing ring. Everybody wants to, but everybody has some sort of skill level mm-hmm. that when they get in there, you know it gets tweaked Mm -hmm. and editing man i've had more guys make interviews i've done look damn near like a movie or or other stuff i've seen that that they're very good of it and i and i know the guys who are good at it you know so that is very important and kudos to you for bringing that up Mm-hmm. Because they they also need to be recognized a lot because they they put out what the fans get. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if it's not edited right, eh, I'm not watching this mess. I also would say if if you have some decent skills, but you have that persona that makes it like work, that mm-hmm. also does too, because I don't have perfect editing skills. But I have like 340 subscribers already from the last time you saw me. I was at like 50. Wow. So I'm I'm really like grinding. And it's I always tell people, don't don't push your don't pressure yourself to get to be like others. Do you everything will fall in its place if you're consistent? It's all about the consistency and everything. You don't have to go back and say, oh, I should have done it this way. You just gotta roll with it. You just roll with it and you and you improve along the way. It's like fighting. You you get better over time. There's gonna be bumps. There's not one linear way. It's it's yes, it's yes. It, there's always a different path. But like you said, mm-hmm. you're constantly grinding. Yeah. Okay. So that you know when you're consistently grinding or consistently training, 
or constantly doing whatever, eventually, and as you go along, you learn to tweak. I don't want to say learn mistakes. I call mistakes tweaking. Yeah. Okay. You learn to tweak it. And it, it, it eventually, you know, you get that you get the hang of it. But but then you know what? Once you see that you do something and it's right, then you're disappointed if you do it less the next time. Mm-hmm. You don't want to take shortcuts. Yeah, it's oh. like, no, nah, you know what? This, this, no, nah, this ain't, this mm. ain't it. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to uh, to Sophia Halidis, uh, the new Bellator ring girl. What's it been like working with Sophia? It's, it's, when you, when you get to this level mm -hmm. of visibility, you don't always know what's expected of you. Mm -hmm. But you know they gave you a job. Mm -hmm. But when you get in it, you know how I said earlier that, that other bird is sometimes when the lights go on, some yep. people's lights go out. Well, Sophia, when the lights go on, seems like hers get brighter. Yeah. But that's what she's supposed to do. Period. That whole weigh in and fight night, people are looking for the energy that comes out of it that 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 translates into the cage. Mm -hmm. And and she brings that energy, and she she's a she's a light, you know. And and I notice right away when I get on stage with with ring card girls uh, before and after. I believe me, I pay strict attention to their body language, to how they're working, if they're smiling, if they're enjoying it or if they're trying to figure out if I'm doing right or wrong, that shows. I've, I've seen none of that from her. I've seen confidence, and this is probably also one of the first, a few times that I've seen a ring card girl hold that shit down by herself. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and she does that. And she's she's Good. I don't know where they got her, but they struck a good they struck a good strike when they did that. She's and, amazing. Yeah, and she's she doesn't make people feel that because she's a ring card girl, you gotta respect this and respect me that I do this. She doesn't do that. And 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 that those are things that I look for and things I look at in fighters. Another thing too I like I like about her too is because like I've had her on here. It's uh, that episode's coming out uh, like tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I mean, because like, this is like this is like pre-recorded the episode with her, and it's like she loves also participating and you know giving her like just telling people, hey, make sure to watch the fights. We don't hear that from other ring card girls. I mean, not that they mm -hmm. don't want to talk, but she's really putting herself out there and she's creating, she's building her confidence because mm -hmm. it's a perishable, it's a perishable skill. So she's really showing that she knows her stuff. She loves working and she really wants to help grow the Bellator's brand across the U.S. And it's also a good marketing tool because she's the only one there. So they better get it now. Okay. <laughs> well, there, there, there's her. I know there's her in the U.S. I think there's Louise McKee in Europe. There's a few in Europe and there's one that does well, only Ireland, right? 
Yes, yes, yes. And I will get to meet them, uh, I think it's May 12th. Mm -hmm. We're in, we're in, in Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, which this is also a great time, man. Going, you know, going to Hawaii for, which is going to be tough. Two fights in two days. Ooh. You know, and not just a fight and then the fight. Both of them are the fights. Both nights, title fights with major names and major belts at stake. You know, mm -hmm. and a ton. I would say that they're probably going to have uh, I'd say maybe 60 fighters you know, at least, and camps, you know, and everybody else. And then we have the weigh-in. The weigh-in is the day before the fight. Mm -hmm. We usually do the official weigh-in at 9 in the morning, mm -hmm. and then the mock weigh-in is usually, which is the face-to-face, -face, we usually mm -hmm. do like 1 in the afternoon, which is good. And then the next day, we're in the dress room, or I'm in the dress room by 1.30, 2 o'clock. Because the first fight's at 4, fighters start getting there. Mm -hmm. I'm in there. So the 22nd, all of that has to be pushed up a little. Mm -hmm. Like we might have to do the way in. This is not 100%, but we might have to do the official way in at 7. Mm -hmm. Then the face-off at 9, because then we got to scoot right over you know, to the arena. But good thing is that they're both in in the Blaisdell Arena, Blaisdell Center, I think it is. So mm -hmm. that's that's a good thing, a real good thing. But I'm gonna take a little credit. <laughs> not, not not a lot, but a little credit. Because when I started back in MMA mm -hmm. in two thousand. I think my first fight or first two fights, I was like this because of the weigh-in. The weigh-in was coming and, mm -hmm. and, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm looking and I'm waiting and I'm looking. And every time somebody got on the stage, I did this. I didn't do it publicly because everybody was looking at me, so I had to do this. But I waited and I waited. So after the first two nights of me losing maybe five pounds each, <laughs> event, I said, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. From now on, I'm going to bring those guys down at 7 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Way in day. Period. And they looked at me, didn't like it, but I said to them, and especially since they were letting us use our scale mm -hmm. for the weigh-in, I said to them, I will have the official scale at seven o'clock in the morning. And I want to see you then. That gave me, if I saw them at seven and I saw a guy needing to lose three pounds, I know that by 10 or 11, if he did whatever he did, he probably could do it. But mm -hmm. if I saw him at seven in the morning, he was still seven pounds over. Then I had real concerns. And mm -hmm. then that gave me time to go to the matchmaker and say, Hey, this is what I see. 
and they can make adjustments. And that transition, and that's what they're doing because everybody watches what you do. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing in Bellator. You know, we do it early, but I, you know, I'm not doing this, but I kind of think I started that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it was, it, it, it's, you get involved. The same thing, I think, with the red and blue tape. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's pride mm -hmm. or one. Sometimes they had pink. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they had white. Sometimes they had blue. But it was never really always distinctive like that. Every now and then. But then I was, I was doing a show and they had the screen where I would watch the show. Now, I would never watch a fight, but I always watched the clock mm -hmm. because that was, my, that was my signal of when we were going to move, you know, and I knew when to go shout. We got five minutes, you know, or we got a, a half an hour. We got a dirty 30 from we rolled to the hole, baby. You know, I, I, I did that and always. And one day I'm sitting there looking at the clock and the fighters were up against the cage. And all I saw was this, and white tape. And both fighters were white. I didn't know who was who. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I can't do that. <laughs> that's got to, we got to, I got to, that's got to change mm -hmm. somehow. So I went to Uline and I asked them, did they have red and blue tape? And I went to the promoter. And you notice I'm not mentioning names. I went, to, I went to the promoter and I said, you know what? I want to use this. And they said to me, as long as you get it right. So I took it. First time, the third fight, they both came out in red tape. And I'm like, oh, S-H-I-T. Yeah. So I quickly wrapped it. But then it kind of changed. And I had, I won't ever forget, and I don't care what anybody says, they can come at me. But tell them, if they come at you for what I'm saying right now, tell them to come to me. Okay. And and Big John McCarthy and Herb Dean both said to me, you know what? I'm glad you did that because now we don't have to guess. We can, we can look and see because when they say, when they announce it, they say the winner out of the red corner sometimes or whatever the peripherally, they could see the tape. Yep. And not only that, but they could, they, it, it, it made it easier. And they said that to me. And I will always hold that and cherish that. And from that point on, because at the time, everybody was looking at, and I'll say it, at the UFC. Yeah. Because it was the mainstay and it was the groundbreaker, mm -hmm. trendsetter. So from that point on, it just, that was, and then it even it even went to boxing. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody now uses red and blue tape in MMA. Period. At at this level, boxing they're starting to use it. But you know, it was. I like to talk about those things because it's it's a part of the progression, mm -hmm. and. You know, part of something I'm proud of, shit.
should let be. Somebody, let somebody come to me and doubt that. <laughs> so also you're doing, you've done also legend to legend with uh, MMA legends like GSP, uh, Rampage Jackson, uh, Michael Bisping, uh, and then you had Henzo Gracie on. Um, uh, are there any other legends to legends planned? Or are you putting it on hold for a while because you're around, you're going around the world so much? Well, one, I have to kind of schedule those in between my travel, mm -hmm. you know, so, and, and now I'm traveling more. So that's why it's a little more space between yeah. traveling more, but I don't, I, I, I mean, it's a platform that MMA junkie gave to me, which mm -hmm. I am so proud that they did. And it's just an opportunity for me at the time I kind of considered myself half-ass retired. Uh -huh. But in my head, I'm like, you know what? I've worked with everybody. And most of them are not fighting anymore or there, you know. And, and somebody needs to hear their story. Uh -huh. And somebody needs to know that this is not just an interview, but it's Legends to legend. Now, I didn't give myself that name, but somebody I was talking to and said, you know what? Oh, tell you exactly. It was Vitor Belfort. Wow, the phenom. That's my favorite Brazilian yes. fighter. When I when I when I asked him to do the show with me, he said, you know what? I'll be happy, you know, be one legend to another legend. Wow. And I said, I got it from him, legends to legend. And, you know, I have everybody's, most of everybody's number. Mm -hmm. So I called them and asked them and they were like, yeah, sure. So I don't do it as an interview. Mm -hmm. Of course, I talk about the things in their career, but, you know, some of the things like Mike driving a truck, you know, and, and, and how George felt at one point he didn't want to do that anymore. You know, and how he felt with certain fights. And it, it, it it's it's me sitting down and, first of all, remembering exactly what they were when I worked with them. Because that's where mm -hmm. I get the basis of everything. Because I, I know it. It mm -hmm. wasn't that I read. I remember. It was, I could say I remember the time when or this or that. Or, or like John Jones when he showed up late for a weigh-in once and he comes strolling in, and I'm giving my speech, and I stopped it. I'm like, whoa, come up here, baby. <laughs> he turned around, he walked up, and I, I'm standing there in front of everybody. And I said to him, now, you're telling me that you think that you're the only one in this room that can show up this late, and everybody else is here? And you're the main event, bro. Wow. You know, I talked to him like that. I said... That's disrespectful mm -hmm. to everybody else. Not telling you how disrespectful that shit is to me, because I told you what time it was. Mm -hmm. You know, and I can say that now because he's the heavyweight champion of the world. And you know, but you know what? He said, sorry, Mr. Bird. And everybody just kind of did this. And but I was also letting them know how serious that was mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. for them mm -hmm. to make it. So, you know, I came up with that concept, Legends to Legends, 
and I'm working on, I, I just did, I thought of the Gracies. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, how can I do something on the Gracies and incorporate the Gracies without talking to those two guys who are done? Mm -hmm. You know, two different eras. You know, you got Henzo over here and you got Hoyce, whose father, mm -hmm. Helio, and this guy. And, you know, it, it, it was all connected. So that was the story I was trying to tell with that. And my editor, Abby, out of out of London, mm -hmm. and I don't want to mispronounce his last name, but Subban, but Abby is an awesome editor. And he edits all of it. He listens to my interview and he puts that stuff together. So I'm very excited and happy about that. And it's called Legends to Legends. So I have to do Legends or do Legends or do something. I got another concept coming up for the next Legends to Legends, which I won't tell you about, but I'm doing it. But you know what? I got boxing legends yeah. that I've worked with. You know, uh, and boxing female legends who are history. And I won't even say the name, but I'm sure you probably know that name. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've got things that I'm working on. But then again, as you said, my schedule started getting a little busy. And I got to do that from here at home. Yeah. I like doing it at home with all my stuff behind me, you know, and, and at a comfort level. But I, I, I have such a great time doing it. And I've got three in the works right now that will probably come out within the next three months or so. Amazing. I'm hoping the ones for my wish list for, for you, because like I know you're with Bellator, because I'm sure you want to do some Bellator legends. So my yeah. wish list, my wish list, if I could give it to you. So Please. I want to see, I want to see these legends. I want to see Douglas Lima, the one of the most important welterweight champions for Bellator's history. Okay. Gegard Mousasi, self-explanatory. Hundred percent. And um, ooh, what's a good? Who's another one? Man, this is a tough one. Um, yeah. I'd say, I would say it's not Bellator, but I would say, yeah, you know what? It would be, it would be a mix. I would like to see. And you see, I'm writing that. this down. Right? I know, I know. Yeah, I'm giving you the idea. Uh, you did Dan Henderson, right? Yes. Okay. No, no, no. I set Dan Henderson up last weekend. Oh. I haven't done, I haven't done him yet. But what I what I always what I always want to do, mm -hmm. I'm writing this down. Yeah. You gave me a couple of ideas. Yeah, Robbie Lawler, Robbie Lawler. I want to see you. Yeah, yeah. What I always want to do mm -hmm. is talk to the fighter mm -hmm. and make sure that they're done mm -hmm. before I. I'd hate to do a Legends of Legends, and then the next thing I hear, they're fighting next week. Yeah, I, I know so, what you mean. You know, and Robbie Lawler. You know, with that history when he came in and with Militich and that whole group and everybody, there is there is a good show in there. You know, uh uh Dan Henderson, you know, same same thing, Gegard Musasi, same another same thing. I couldn't even pronounce his name at one point, you know, <laughs> and now he's a champion. But I got that list and I appreciate that because I'm I got a list. Yeah. You know, but they are definitely, definitely going to you. Think of somebody else, please. I'll make sure to tell you. Cause like, and honestly, and it's funny to say, 
Robbie Lawler and Gegard Mousasi were the two fighters that got me to take up martial arts. Really? Yeah. Really? And I will tell you that you also just gave me an idea. Because now, I'm, and I don't, I, you know, I'll figure when, but I can put that out on who people would like to see. You know, didn't think of that before, but thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I will do that. Hey, listen, you're my you're my friend, man. You know, you do such an amazing job. I also want to give a major shout out for the cancer awareness stuff you do, because honestly, like after like, you know, my mom, because when you started speaking about it on their first appearance, my mom actually came on my show before she passed mm -hmm. to talk about her diagnosis to create awareness. So wow. I just want to say comes from you. Unfortunately, she passed, but she fought till the very end. She was she was the the one percent with stage four pancreatic until the very end. And uh, yeah, man. So I just want to say, like, you know, you, you don't you have no idea. You know, you're not just doing fighting, fighting, but the real fight of life when that happens. So honestly, Bert, you really are a champion for that. Oh, I appreciate that, and and I I I felt that immediately because that was. That was a left hook to me. Mm -hmm. Had no idea. Just went to, and I was in stage three, bro. Wow. When I went, when I went to, and 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 I go to the doctor every six months. Mm -hmm. I try to, but if I'm on the road, sometimes I can go a year without having the opportunity because mm -hmm. what happens is, unless I have, and 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 I have a doctor who's a friend. Mm -hmm who had retired, but then he referred me to somebody else. So I'm lucky enough to get that, you know, but I, you know, I just went to the doctor to have that checkup mm -hmm. and I was feeling a mm -hmm. little discomfort mm -hmm. and he said, let's go check this, you know? And I went, checked it and came back. I went into his office. He said, okay, so you got prostate cancer. I was like, he delivered that message like that. Wow. I was like, uh, well, I guess he figured I'm a fighter. I'm in there. You know, let's just give it to him gruff. But, man, that was, you know, that was kind of like, whoa. But with all blessings, I went through 62 dates of radiation. Mm -hmm. and now I'm two and a half, almost three years cancer-free. Ugh. You know, and blessings to your mom, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, I will say this and, and hopefully it doesn't offend you or, or I say the wrong thing. But when I found out that I had it and what stage it was in, I became at peace with it, mm -hmm. you know, because if I let it shake me up, then I would have been shook for no, for nothing because I got I got well. But I do know your mindset when you hear, especially as a parent, mm -hmm. tell my children I I didn't tell my children for until I was set to start radiation mm -hmm. because I didn't, especially my girls. Yeah, I didn't want them and my grandkids. And, you know, my grandson at the time was in college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who is actually now a sports agent with Endeavor. Amazing. Who you telling? <laughs> who you telling? And mm -hmm. and you know, it's it's I don't ask him where he got it from or where his interest, but I always had him work with me when I could, mm -hmm. you know, and and always had him involved in 
But now he's a he's a sports agent, you know. But I didn't want to tell anybody, mm -hmm. you know, because I didn't want them to worry. But I can tell you, when you get that news, you digest it, and then you become at peace with yourself. So that's mm -hmm. just saying to you. No, no, I'm not offended at all, by the way. It's actually very true because my mom said, she goes, look, she goes, I lived my life. She goes, I raised it. She's like, I raised you. She goes, you're successful in your life, you know, even mm -hmm. with all the tribulations and challenges. And she goes, I'm a, I'm okay with it. And as soon as she said, I'm at peace, she goes, I will fight as hard as I can, but it's just what my body says. I said, it's okay, yes. mom. I said, yes. I am, yes. I said, I rather you, I said, I do not want you to suffer totally. it's like forever. So we made it clear she chose to go fast so she doesn't suffer. So then mm -hmm. I could live on with my life. And it's like, I have like a very weird way of looking at how the death affected me. Cause it did really screw me up for a bit, yes. but then yes. thank God I have amazing, amazing support group where I started to reach out and, you know, I've been in grief therapy cause you know, grieving can bring a lot of difficulties if you don't do it properly. I didn't <gasps> do it properly with my dad's passing. Mm -hmm. So with my mom's passing, like, I'm just going to put it out there. Like if you feel like anxious, depressed, or sad, and you know, you don't know how to express yourself, please. I urge everybody go get the help you need. There are people that are there, psychologists, yes. counselors. Yes. Don't do what I did, where I ended up in self destructive patterns only to realize that I was screwing my life up. And you know, I want it to be a cautionary tale. Like, you know, I'm thankful, I'm appreciative, but you have to always ask yourself, how would my parents want me to live? Oh yeah, because, and, and and those people that that listen to you are there for that specifically, mm -hmm. so they know how and they know. I I I could not have picked a better time mm -hmm. to. I walked away from that organ other organization. Mm -hmm. First of all, because somebody said the wrong thing to me and disrespected me, mm -hmm. but I walked away and. February, mm -hmm. April, my mm -hmm. mom got sick. And I had to take care of her for the next three years. Mm -hmm. And there's no way I could have done that on the road. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only, I was the only one here in Philly. My mom was here in Philly. Mm -hmm. You know, I had brothers in Atlanta and, mm -hmm. and Washington. And my sister was here, but, you know, she was more sentimental than anything. So mm -hmm. it worked out perfectly. But for three years, man, I did that and, until it was, you know, till it was the, until it was the end of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, imagine if I couldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. She would have done three years probably by herself. And that was because my dad's also gone. Mm -hmm. That would not, not have been good. No. But we're both blessed and, and lucky because, you know, I'm seeing you. I'm seeing what you're doing. It didn't tell me that you went into a dark room and stayed in there, you know, which we both could have done, but we didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I transitioned from that to my own personal issues. I'm like, yeah, man. But uh, you know what? I I live my life like I want everybody else to. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for me to get with a fighter and tell him how he's got to hold his head up 
and 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 how he's got to make commitment to things, mm -hmm. regardless of how hard times get. If I look like I'm not committed, mm -hmm. so I, I I I always give them, and it's never a phony face. It's real. When I get on a plane, that shit kicks in, mm -hmm. and when I get off, boom, I give it to them till the time I get back on a plane, man. But you know, it's all mm -hmm. good. Amazing. And we're going to have to, we're going to end it here on a very good note to empower everybody. Bert, I love the fact that you came back on. I'm so glad we could do this. We're going to do more of these again, eventually, oh, anytime, man. any day, you know, I love, I love having, you You know, shout out, as I said, to Nima, Sophia, yes. really helping, oh, with, like having the return come on and uh, keep up the amazing work. You are the prime example of history for combat sports. You're a primary source. So we got to protect Bert at all costs, people. You got to protect him. <laughs> Protect the the fighter's babysitter. The man. This guy is a Hall of Famer. Not only in the in the sport in the in the sports Hall of Fame in Fighters Magazine. He's a Hall of Famer in life. He's the people's champ. Bert, where can people connect with you on social if they want to hey, follow what you're doing? Bert Watson, the number four real. That's on Instagram, mm -hmm. Twitter, and Facebook. And I use four because there's others, but four real is mine and. Mm -hmm. Please, I love communicating with people. And I love when they look at my post and I, I'm starting to post a little more and I'm having a good time, but please. And, and and as for you, whenever you need me, you know, I'm always honored to do this and to share whatever I can with your audience, with the fans and everybody around us. And please make sure you watch Bellator April 21st and 22nd, baby, because that's going to be one heck of a weekend because they're going to be rolling. And you know what that means? You know when I say we rolling? We rolling! Yeah! Yeah! All night long. long. Boom! Make sure to hit the like, share, subscribe button to the Juice Experience. Follow Bruce. Follow Bert. My bad, Bert. Sorry. Follow Bert Watson. Drew Experience out.